Okay, episode 7. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to the own podcast, You Need to Destroy Islam with Mere Words. We Muslims follow some of the strangest and most strict of rituals, from fasting 30 days per year to praying at the crack of dawn. We do not do this because it makes sense. We do this because 1400 years ago, an illiterate Arabian shepherd received a message from outer space, from mankind's maker and benefactor, in the name of Allah, the Rahman, the Merciful. The Quran is nothing short of miraculous. It is composed of the most beautiful Arabian words ever uttered. It is actually sung, not read. Quran has been stumping Arabian poets for 1400 years. No one could bring its equal. Quran also has a magnificent scope. From the barriers separating seas to the miracles of Prophet King Suleiman. The Quran challenges you to disprove it. Check out episode 5 of this podcast if you haven't already. If you claim this is only a fabrication by this Arabian shepherd, then you must be able to beat him. Bring about a single surah of its likeness and you win. No more, no less. No other arguments for Islam. In this podcast, I will take you over Quran in English, reading answers to questions like, Who is Allah? Why did Allah create mankind? And why won't Allah just talk to us or send us a sign, you and me, right here and right now? It is impossible for anyone to replicate its beauty from Arabic into any other language. I will focus on bringing you an exact replica, word for word as is possible. I will leave the beauty part to you. To recap, last episode we read how after Allah created what's on earth, all for mankind, then came the time to appoint them Khalifa over earth. Remember, Khalifa means lords or rulers in Allah's name generation after generation. We were destined to rule over earth before any of the later events transpired. We read how the angels of Allah asked, why would Allah appoint mankind to rule earth when we, mankind, are sinners and the angels themselves sing Allah's praises and sanctifying his name? Allah gave the angels a live demonstration of how Adam, our progenitor, was imbued with abilities beyond the angels of Allah to rule over earth. Allah also laid one more question to rest, by ordering the angels to prostrate themselves before mankind. It was a clear sign of our status as a species. Our station is above that of the angels of Allah themselves. It was such an order that Iblis repudiated and his pride got the better of him and willingly choose the lot of the kafirun out of spite for how Adam was raised above him. We read about the final programming of Adam, when Allah allowed the shaitan to trick Adam into a minor mistake as explicitly mentioned, a slip of eating from a single tree in a garden full of blissful existence. And so Allah imbued Adam with words to repent, and so did Adam repent, and so did Allah accept him. We read how after Allah accepted Adam's repentance, he ordered them all, including Iblis, to descend to earth and live there for a time. Allah also told them, when you receive word or guidance from me, then whoever heeds that guidance is safe, and whoever belies Allah's signs will fuel the fire. Thus the covenant mentioned in previous episodes between mankind and Allah was sealed. Note also that Allah was not required to give mankind any deal. By right of creation, Allah could have ordered us to serve our function on earth and then consigned us all to turn to dust or burn in the fire, if Allah so wanted. Imagine yourself crafting a wooden chair and then deciding to burn it for fuel when no longer need it. And to Allah is the highest of examples. This covenant is actually in the interest of mankind. It is a way for us to control our fate or destiny. If you honor Allah's covenant, you will receive, you will receive rewards aplenty. If you back out of it, then you will serve your purpose in life regardless. And then you will serve as fuel to the fire. Allah could have decided that for you, but he didn't. Allah allowed you to make your own decision. We also noted how Iblis expanded all his resources and skills only to fulfill Allah's design. 
and in the later day he is consigned to the fire. Such is the lot of the kafirun, whether they like it or not. There is no such a thing as tricking or winning against Allah. With that we come to episode 7, and it starts with a very logical question. Didn't Allah just say to Adam, when you receive guidance from me? Where was this guidance? It has been thousands of years since Adam walked the earth with Hawa. Why didn't Allah send word or guidance since then? Was there simply no guidance before this message was sent down to this Arabian man? Ayah 40 Sions of Israel Recall blessings of mine that I blessed you And honor my covenant so I honor your covenant And of me be frightened Okay, so Sions, the Arabic word here is Bani Used to refer to the offsprings or children of a man uh, So Bani Israel is Sions of Israel this is the first time we hear of Israel when reading Quran in order. Israel is a name, is too famous a name for us to require introduction. Israel is the prophet Yaqub, Jacob, son of prophet Isaac, Ishaq, and grandson of prophet Ibrahim, Abraham. Imagine the honor of being a prophet yourself and having prophets for father and grandfather. Some very famous names descended from Israel. Names like Yusuf, Joseph, who was his direct uh, son, Musa, Moses, Dawood, David, and Isa, Jesus, and many others. And so Allah, the one who sent us Quran, addresses the offsprings of Israel, not people of the Jewish and Christian faiths overall, but the heart of those faiths, the family of a noble blessed man, the descendants of prophets, they who received the Torah, the Zabur, and the Injil, scions of Israel. Recall blessings of mine that I blessed you, and honor my covenant, so I honor your covenant, and of me be frightened. Allow me again to emphasize, I'm not sure this was clear enough. Allah, the deity of Muslims, calls on the sons of Israel and tells them, recall how I blessed you, honor my covenant. Allah, the creator, the Rabb, the Rahman, the merciful, the one who sent, who sent us this Quran, the one challenging us to bring about a single surah of its likeness, the one who sent us Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is in fact the very same deity that blessed Israel and sent those messages through his children. Not only that, but this is such a central component of Islam that it is revealed no later than page 5 of Quran, immediately after we are told of our purpose, the story of our creation, and the covenant between Allah and mankind. Allah immediately makes this perfectly clear. Islam is nothing new. Allah's messages to mankind are nothing new. Islam is only a continuation of Allah's guidance he sent us through the ages, albeit through different people, the sons of Israel in this specific context. We all know this, the people listening to Quran, not because we are told so. We know this because this Quran currently addresses the sons of Israel. Right now, we are in the back seat, hearing and learning about this as we hear Allah talking to them directly. Honor my covenant, so I honor your covenant. I demand that those of Israel's blood honor a covenant between them and Allah, so Allah fulfills his own end of the bargain. What bargain? We're not even told because it doesn't concern us. Allah is calling them and ordering them to honor their covenant. Not only that, but Allah is telling them, be afraid. The Arabic word here is farhabun, which is a deep fear, one that touches your heart. Be careful. Be afraid of Allah. Don't mess up. And so two more questions are laid to rest. Why didn't Allah send word before Prophet Muhammad? And what of those who came before us? The answer is, 
Allah did send us his guidance as he promised Adam. Allah is the same deity that blessed Israel and his children, and Allah demands that the signs of Israel, those of Israel's blood, come forth to deliver a covenant they sealed with Allah. Allah also tells them, be frightened, don't presume, don't dare to anger Allah. Don't assume that because you are the descendants of that blessed man that you are special. I know I may have taken too long in this ayah, but this is actually such a twist. So remember when we said previously about the Arabs' feelings about Judaism and Christianity. Now this part is not in the ayah, of course, but allow me just to, to, to take a very quick point. The Arabs used to say, look at those people, Jews and Christians, who received actual books. If we received such books, we would be far more pious. Not only that, but when Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, started reciting Quran to the Arabs, some of them actually said that this is the work of others, namely Christians and Jews, helping him craft and write this Quran. They claimed Quran was nothing but the legends of those that came before us. He is having someone transcribe it or write it down for him. There was no other way for Prophet Muhammad to guarantee the animosity of Arabs than to declare the Arabian mythology as wrong and false, and that this very own message is from the same deity that blessed Israel and his children. But like we said earlier, Allah does not care what we think. Ayah 41 And amilu of what I brought down attesting what's with you, and don't be first kafir of it, and don't purchase with my signs a paltry price, and of me ittaqoon. And so Allah continues to address the sons of Israel. We are still in the back seat listening in. Aminu, submit in peace, deliver your hearts, accept without reserve this message that Allah brought down attesting or confirming that which is in your position. Allah orders those of Israel's blood. Refer back to the books in your position. Bring those books that you have with you. Isn't Quran attesting to the truth of what you have in those books in your position? Don't you see they all come from the same source? Isn't everything that Allah said so far in line with what Allah revealed to you in your books nearly thousands of years ago? Remember our previous episodes. Do these books in your position confirm that Allah remade the heavens and the earth, pushed down the first rains and brought out the first plant life to sustain mankind specifically? Do these books order you not to make peers to Allah of things you know? Do these books speak of a covenant with mankind? Do they speak? Do they actually say that Allah created what's in the earth all for mankind? Do these books in your position say that Allah resolved the heavens into seven levels? These are very specific details. Do these books speak of the creation of Adam? Is the story of the demonstration of Adam's ability there? Is the story of Iblis refusing to prostrate himself there? Uh, does Quran truly attest to the story of the lesson of the tree? Does what you have in your position speak of gardens above running rivers and the great fire, the ultimate fire? And so Allah orders the signs of Israel. Aminu, deliver your hearts in peace and acceptance, as this is beyond the knowledge of this Arabian shepherd and his ignorant nation, a nation that used to shun you in the first place, as you see that this Quran attests to the truth of what's with you, what's in your position, not any document nor any philosophy, those articles of Allah in your position. But hold on, there is more. The Arabic form actually states that all of Quran attests to what you have in your position, so this demand to submit is not limited to what we already went over in the first page, four pages of Quran. It is about what we shall still read in the remaining 601 pages. This actually means that these 601 pages will attest to the truth of what you have with you. So, Aminu, come forth and deliver your hearts in acceptance and peace. If you remember our first part of this surah, episode 3, when Allah said, 
there are three categories of people on receiving this Quran. The first are those who amanu, who delivered their hearts in peace and acceptance. The directive verb form of that is aminu. Uh, so Allah is directing the sons of Israel. Respond properly. Be of the first category. Be worthy of your honorable and blessed ancestor. And don't be the first kafir of it. If you remember the second category, don't willingly choose to cover yourself to deny Allah's light. Children of the blessed man Israel, don't be of that kafirun category. And finally, the third category, which is uh, don't purchase with my signs at a paltry price. The third category, they who purchase deviance for guidance. Don't act as if you are of the people of Allah when you deny his light and work to corrupt his message for earthly gains. Allah is telling the sons of Israel, even with their blessed father, they are still human like everyone else. Allah demands their submission like everyone else. If they follow, they shall be rewarded. If they deny or think to deceive Allah, they shall be punished. And to confirm that, of me ittakhun, protect yourselves from Allah. Act to shield or protect yourselves. Follow the examples set before you. Protect or shield yourselves from Allah's wrath. Don't think that because you are the descendants of the blessed man that you are safe. You need to work like everyone else to protect yourselves from Allah's wrath. In my own mind, I believe the covenant Allah struck with the sons of Israel involves believing in the next message of Allah when it arrives. Hence the order in this ayah to submit to the new message in Quran. Could this possible be in their books? Information about a later message and the messenger? Like I said, we Muslims are not allowed to look into these books and we have nothing to prove. We need only deliver Allah's message to you. You may do with it as you please. Ayah 42 And do not envelop the truth in falsehood and withhold the truth and you know. And you know is a word for word translation. It would sound better to say when you know or knowingly. Okay, so practically two ayahs into into ordering the signs of Israel to come forth, honor their covenant, and embrace this new message attesting to what's in their position, Allah immediately tells them to share only the truth as it is in the books in their hands. Nothing but the truth. Specifically, don't package falsehoods with the truth. It is one thing to say, don't withhold the truth. It is a completely different thing to say, don't add your own falsehoods and hope it passes alongside the truth. Man, if Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was making this Quran up, he sure was making a poor effort at garnering support. First, he shuns the Arabian mythology as incorrect and therefore inferior, thus losing the Arabian support. Then just as he is turning to the signs of Israel to attest and confirm their message, he adopts a reprimanding tone before they even utter a word. Fear Allah. Do not package lies or falsehoods along with the truth. Do not withhold the truth. A key word here is, and you know, knowingly, you fully understand what Allah means when he says, don't envelop the truth in falsehoods, and don't withhold the truth. Again, we are still in the backseat. What does Allah specifically means by ordering them not to package falsehoods with the truth, or withhold the truth, does not concern us. We are learning more and more about the relationship between Allah and the sons of Israel, and what they might have done to anger Allah. Ayah 43 And erect the salah and give the zakah, and bow with they who bow. Okay, still in the backseat listening in. Allah orders the sons of Israel to erect the salah. If you remember the beginning of this surah, the Baqarah, we explained the meaning behind erecting the salah. 
We said it's about observing time, cleanliness, direction, location, and standing directly before Allah. No intermediaries, um, no one in between, just connect directly to Allah. Raise yourself by connecting with Allah. This is what it means to erect the salah to Allah, to try to reach Allah and beseech Him for guidance. Erecting the salah is also a major rite or ritual of Islam. But why is Allah ordering the scions of Israel to erect the salah as well? The only logical conclusion as we are listening in on this conversation is that salah as described earlier is part of the rituals described in the books possessed by the sons of Israel. Another way for us to see from the backseat that Allah is the same deity. He demands of us the same things he demanded of those who came before us. If the deity who blessed Israel and his children ordered them to erect the salah, to connect to him, and Allah ordered Muslims to erect the salah and connect to him, and in both cases, salah or connection here is extremely similar in nature and form, isn't that clear enough to sign that Allah is the one who blessed Israel and his children? Now, Allah is not making this argument. Allah is actually discussing this with the son or ordering the sons of Israel to do that. We're just listening in on this like we said. Furthermore, why is this coming immediately after the previous ayah in which Allah disparages the signs of Israel about knowingly enveloping the truth in falsehood? To that, I would raise a question to any Christian or Jewish person as the only people whom I could describe as signs of Israel and are non-Muslim. Do the books in your position describe a connection to your deity in the same way mentioned earlier, observing time, cleanliness, place, direction, and then connecting with this deity? Are you following that to the latter? How many times per day, per week, per year? What is involved? Is it described in those books in your position? Okay, we continue with, and give the zakah. Zakah is another Islamic requirement. That any money or thing of value intended for commerce that does not change hands for a full year needs to be cleansed by taking out a small portion of it. In Islam, it's a quarter of a tenth or 2.5% and giving it to a specific or to, to specific categories of the poor. And again, we see from the backseat more reason to believe that Allah is the same deity who blessed Israel and his children. I would ask again, is the concept of zakah, as, as I just described it, also in those books? For anyone of the Christian and Jewish faiths, is zakah in the books in your position? Is it also only applicable for money that didn't change hands for a full year? Do you observe this? Finally, and bow with they who bow. Bowing in Islam is a form in which you lower your head and your back. It is part of, or of erecting the salah for Muslims. Muslims are only allowed to bow to Allah and no one else. Why is Allah ordering those descendants of the blessed man Israel to bow with they who bow? Again, referring to the books in their position and ordering them to state nothing but the pure truth. For my Christian and Jewish friends, is the act of lowering your head and back, or maybe a different process that can be defined as bowing in those books you possess? Is it also a part of connecting to your deity? Are you required to do it in group and groups same as us, the Muslims? Are you observing that? I have personally never seen any Jewish or Christian person bowing in church or synagogue. Am I missing something? Again, from the back seat, I can only see further evidence that Islam is nothing new. It is built on the same foundation as the scriptures brought down to those sons of Israel. This ayah makes a powerful statement. For the non-Muslim descendants of Israel, I can only think of Jewish and Christian people. Are you truly observing what's in the books in your position? Can you confirm or deny whether or not the points raised in this ayah, which are very specific, salah, zakah, and bowing in groups? 
Remember, we Muslims are forbidden to look into your books. We, we, we have nothing to prove, really. Allah just ordered us to deliver this message to you and leave you to your own devices. I ask you, if you truly are seeking to worship your deity, are you observing your rights as they are described in those scriptures brought down to the sons of Israel? Ayah 44 Do you order people to the birr and forget yourselves and you recite the book? So don't you ta'qilun? Bir is a very wide word in Arabic. It is a word encompassing all good morals or acts. Being good to your parents, for example, is bir. Keeping your promises is bir. Being good to someone in your society is bir. Being good in your trade or business is bir. Being good to your wife and kids is bir. Being honest in your words, not lying. I think you get the picture. I heard some people use the phrase that uh, Judeo-Christian values are the basis of the Western civilization of today. I think the word bur is the equivalent to that idea of just uh, Judeo-Christian values. And so, uh, and so Allah asks the descendants of Israel, Do you order mankind, the people who look up to you as recipients of Allah's message, custodians of his books to observe Judeo-Christian values and forget yourselves? In other words, do you order mankind to observe those values Allah taught you in these books, in your positions, when you don't live by what's in those books, even as you are reading them? The final part of the ayah, don't you ta'qilun? Ta'qilun practically means, do your brains hold nothing? It is practically saying, are you out of your minds? Do you read the books of Allah, preach them to mankind, and then knowingly choose not to follow certain parts? Allah says, are you out of your minds? Ayah 45 And take succor in the forbearance and the salah And that is a tall order except for the reverend Allah tells you have forbearance Stick to erecting the salah and connecting to Allah Keep beseeching Allah to guide you Yes, as you read those books in your position Come face to face with your own convictions As you realize that you have strayed from Allah's light Even as you had it in your position you will face insurmountable difficulties. Your journey will not be easy. What at all order? Except for the reverend. The Arabic word here is Al-Khashi'in. Imagine someone so consumed in his prayer that he feels nothing around him. Those who revere and fear Allah. Once their path is clear, once they see the truth, they will not shy away regardless of how seemingly difficult the path is. Ayah 46 they who think to meet their Rabb, and they to him are to return. If you fear any earthly loss of connection to your society, status, fortunes, because you will embrace the truth, then you will find it so difficult. What will you tell your family or society? How can you face your friends at work? How can you, how can you face your congregate if you are a man of the cloth or if you lead the prayer in your synagogue? How can you embrace the truth? But they who truly think to meet their Rabb, their maker, their benefactor, they who care not for these earthly things and gains, but for the day when they return to Allah, they are the reverent ones. They are the ones who will not find this at all order. Sons of the blessed man Israel, you of the Jewish and Christian faiths, if you are truly of the pious, of the people of Allah, then open your eyes, read your own scriptures, have forbearance and direct the salah, Beseech Allah for guidance, and Allah will show you the way. Okay, with that we come to the end of this episode. 
Uh, just a quick note, this is actually quite a short episode. It's only made of six ayahs. It's less than one page in length. It had, however, so many revelations and so much meaning in them. With that, we also come to a very logical question, which is, how else can the scions or the sons or the children of Israel know for certain that this is their deity speaking to them, albeit through a different Tongan people? Should they believe just because Allah spoke to them and called them to task in front of all of us that this is his message? This is going to be the subject for our next episode, so stay tuned. Until then, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you.